are listening Ukraine 242. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Here is our collaborator and your host and Levin. Welcome to Ukraine 242, an exploration of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, featuring conversations with influential people in Ukraine, important scholars and authors of Slavic studies. I am your host, Anne Levine, reporting from WOMR in Provincetown, Massachusetts, for the Pacifica Network. Our guests are three Ukrainian professionals meeting the healthcare challenges facing war wounded. Doctors Anna Haluschuk and Stanislav Onischuk and Bogdan Bolkovetsky, general manager of the Kraina FM network. Dr. Stanislav Onischuk, chief of First Volunteer Hospital of Western Ukraine, whom we interviewed five months ago updates us on how the healthcare needs during wartime have changed and evolved. Dr. Onishchuk, the first time we spoke was several months ago. How are conditions in the hospital now? I can say that now everything became much more calm. And in recent months, we began to pay much more attention to rehabilitation. And now it is the basis of all our work. In one of our interviews in May, I asked for help for arthroscopic equipment. Yes. And thanks to you, Annie, and Radio Kraina FM, we got this equipment. I can say it with gratitude that thanks to your help, more than 50 operations have already been performed with this equipment. So uh, now we feel much better in medical um, instrument stuff. Are you still receiving support from doctors and NGOs abroad? Our biggest partner is Doctors Without Borders. They provide most of the medicines, drugs and materials for treatment. They provide also fuel for ambulance and other transport. Uh, international volunteer organizations uh, like Operation Kiselak and its leader Vit Samek from Czech Republic constantly help with their hands and skills bring many things that we take to the front. Every two weeks, nurses, doctors, Anastasia nurses came here from uh, Slovakia, from Czech Republic to help us for doing work not just bringing the materials, but their experience to help personally. Polish Medical Mission, which provides uh, ambulance car, also helps with some medical materials. I must say that for a long time, the main problem for us has been funds to pay salaries for doctors and staff, heating for water, for repair and maintenance of equipment and materials that we cannot get. This is... Um, constant headache for me because we cannot plan our work for more than one month. We applied many grants to various international organizations, but we have not yet found a stable source of funding. I would very much like to find an organization, maybe in America, that would like to help our project for the long term. 
we are hearing a lot about missile strikes against infrastructure in Ukraine, which is causing blackouts, problems with water, problems with travel. How are these things affecting the hospital? Just previous week, a big electricity power station was totally destroyed by Russian rockets. And my colleagues from Slovakia and Poland promised to find a generator for emergency power to our hospital. So I believe that soon we will be able to be more sure of uninterrupted work. Ukraine is getting ready for winter. Can you tell me what preparations you're making for winter? The main problem for us is funding. If we will find them, we will deal with winter, even if it will be very cold. You are currently treating defenders from the front in the hospital. What can you tell me about their conditions? Since our last conversation, we realized the need for radical change in the approach to the treatment of hospital patients, most of whom are military personnel who were injured while defending the independence of Ukraine. We understood that it's not enough to restore a limb. It is necessary to restore a person. If earlier 80% of our efforts to surgical interventions and only 20% to rehabilitation, now everything is the opposite. We take a lot of measures for the social and psychological rehabilitation of people affected by war. And now we see very good dynamics in the treatment. They really get back in their feet and return to normal life. Now we understand that we are moving on the right path to this goal because this is our main task. Speaking of this, I'd like to turn now to the psychologist, Dr. Anna Mm -hmm. Halushchak. Yeah, hello. How long are patients staying in the hospital? Before, we had to provide express help for three, five days. So a lot of them had the possibility to work with psychologists only once or twice. Now we work at the deeper levels to the wounds they got, and uh, with the passing of time, their attitude to life. What can you tell me about the general condition in the patients? Symptoms are problem with the short-time memory, sleep disorders, insomnia and nightmares, aggression, emotional control problems, also coping with loss of their comrades and sometimes loss of their family members, civilians or military. Can you tell me about some specific patients? Mm-hmm. One of our patients, a young man, has lost his arm. And when I started speaking with him for the first time, I was ready to see some depressive thoughts, maybe some aggression or denial. However, he didn't deny his problem, and at the same time, he accepts his life. He thinks about his future with self-learning, confidence, and belief, and it's really impressive for me. What has prepared you to deal with such tremendous injuries to body and mind? 
I would like to say thank you for international community because uh, there were a lot of programs where we could work together with people who had real life experience of helping people affected by war. Uh, we gained help from uh, Israeli, British, German, American colleagues. My first experience of work with military was gained from American John Hopkins University and from our Ukrainian universities work together. And I'm really grateful for this. Dr. Halushchuk, what inspires you to adapt the system of psychological assistance to the reality of what's going on now? It's our team. People are open-minded and we have a freedom to share our ideas without bureaucracy. And wonderful that we have an opportunity to be focused on help, not on doing something for show. Also, what is very inspiring to me, uh, sometimes our patients give us ideas. And, of course, it's understanding that we are doing an important work for our country and for our victory. Are you from Kharkiv? Yes. Can yes. you tell me what the war has been like for you personally? Well, I had to hide for the first half a month of war. I stayed in underground parking in Kharkiv, and it was constant bombing of the city, of houses. And then we managed to move here because I have relatives here. Usually it's very easy, but uh, because of all of this bombing, it was a very hard process. And I felt this war in my personal experience. Have you needed, personally, any support therapy for going through what you've gone through? As psychologists, we all have our supervisors, our intervision groups, so uh, that helped me a lot. Uh, Annie, let me continue of Anna's speech and let me share some important reflections about last month. Some time ago, we started to ask every patient who leaves us how satisfied they are with their treatment and what we could improve. Uh, I told you that we have constant cooperations with international volunteers and the Czech volunteer organization Operation Kesselaj and its leader Vitsamek have been permanent residents of our hospital since May. And now one of the volunteers from Czech Republic expressed her desire to help that every day she leads an English-speaking class, not only for patients, but also doctors and employees participate in it. We have bought musical instruments, and everyone who wants and knows how to can play them. Now I can say that all patients are really satisfied with, I could say, treatment or staying in our institution. Uh, they not only heal the body here, they heal the soul. And it's very nice to read reviews when they write about the feeling of home during their stay with us. It inspires to work further and further. That's why I, and I am sure Anna, we believe that Ukrainian society needs us, and I believe that we will be able to continue our work and continue to our victory. I'm so grateful to you and to Anna for speaking with us. Thank you very Thank much, you. Annie. Thank you. And glory to Ukraine. Slava Ukraini. Heroim Slava. You are listening to Ukraine 242, an exploration of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. 
I'm your host, Anne Levine, from WOMR Community Radio in Provincetown, Massachusetts, for the Pacifica Network. Thank you for joining us. Our guests are three Ukrainian professionals meeting healthcare challenges facing war wounded. Doctors Anna Halushchuk and Stanislav Onischuk and Bogdan Bolkovetsky, General Manager of the Kraina FM Network. Bogdan Bolkovetsky, welcome to Ukraine 242. Pleasure I, to be here. Thank you so much. I'd like to ask you about philanthropic work that you're doing right now. Yes, I can give you an update of that. With your immense help, I would say, we have collected money for the equipment for one of the hospitals. And we gave them this pretty modern equipment for surgeries without big cuts. What, what's the name? I, I, I don't know the English term for that. So they put just needles with the camera inside you. They don't have to cut you anymore. They performed about 60 operations on the military and the people who got wounded from the war. So that's thanks to you, guys. Whoever donated this, that's thanks to you. 60 lives were saved. I talked to the chief doctor of that hospital two or three days ago prior to our conversation today. I wanted to have an update. And they are very happy with that. And uh, what we are going to do right now, we want to collect money for hearing aids. Because uh, a lot of people, military people and not military people, they are getting these injuries which led uh, to non-ability to hear and seriously damage your ability to hear. And we are going to buy hearing aids for people who suffered from that, and we are cooperating with the Kyiv uh, local institute of uh, hearing disabilities, and we are trying to collect money for this. Why did you choose hearing? hearing. Because we are radio. Because we are radio, we, we know what it is when there is no sound. People are saying that's dreadful, and for us it's natural, because we are radio, for us it's natural to support people who, who want to hear because that's our medium. And, and it, like, it seems like it's just hearing, but if you talk to a person who has the concussion or something like that, who is disabled in hearing, what they say, it's about like 70% of your life is gone. You cannot hear anything. You cannot hear the beeps of the car on the road. You cannot hear your phone ringing, and it might be something important, or incoming text message. You cannot e even hear the alarm anymore. It's even the rockets are approaching and you cannot hear the alarm. It's dreadful. I know that a lot of people are using hearing aids. A lot of people. And uh, I know that's no joke for them. I mean, everywhere. And that's what we are trying to do in Ukraine because we, we don't have a plant or a factory manufacturing hearing aids. So everything has to be imported. And since all the logistic lines are pretty damaged right now, it takes some time. So we ordered 25 of them. And it would take, hopefully, we keep our fingers crossed, it would take two to three weeks to deliver them to Kiev. And that is also happening because of you guys. Because that's the donations we are getting from you. So we bought some equipment for People's Hospital, and now we are buying the equipment for people who are injured, who cannot hear. And we have already ordered 25 of them, and we need more. We need more if you can share something with us. 
we would immensely appreciate it. Because there is no place where we can buy it. I mean, who will be paying for this? People are just literally suffering. Imagine, plus to your suffering. You don't hear anything. You even cannot communicate. Just imagine when the attack is coming and you are in a shelter, if there is no electricity. At least you can talk to each other. So deaf person cannot even talk. No, literally no. And it means there is no basic form of communication for a deaf person right now. Some of them hopefully might recover. Some of them might need an operation, a surgery afterwards. Some of them will have to carry these hearing aids for the rest of their life. That's what we were told. I know that instantly they need about 25 of those. And we have bought these 25. Now we are collecting money for the next 25, from the next 25, from the next 25. Where is this equipment coming from? It's Canadian and they have a headquarters somewhere in the United States. So I assume it's coming somewhere from European warehouse of that company. I don't think people really think of hearing loss when they think of war injuries, but this must be widespread. It is widespread. And just imagine, it just happened because a bomb exploded nearby. And believe me, it's very loud. You think it should be 500 meters from you. And then you get to know that the sound you heard that scared you and was very loud was not 500 meters from you, was five kilometers from you. Imagine what happens if it's like 500 meters from you or 100 meters from you. You are getting deaf because of sound waves. It breaks the inner part of your ears. Have you or anyone you know suffered from being near explosions? The closest I've been to explosion was about five kilometers. And it was like it was in the next building, just believe me. The door to the basement where I was opened, literally, from the wave. And it was five kilometers away in the city. The door opened due to the air wave. Boom. And I thought it was somewhere like in the yard. (laughs) That loud it was. And later we got to know where the bomb fell, and it was five kilometers away. So, but I assume a lot of people has relatives or friends who has problems with hearing. So there is no need to explain how dreadful it is. And we just have this more and more every day. And they cannot buy it. Where would they buy it? It's not in the country. We have to bring it in, and we have to give it to people who are injured. Bogdan Bolkovetsky, general manager of the Kraina FM network. I'd like... <clears throat> to pivot here and ask you about the condition of things on the ground in Kyiv right now. Everyone is having problems right now. It's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, I don't think that uh, people who has not experienced war are capable of understanding what it is, in all fairness. But you say horror, and no matter how long someone will be talking about how dreadful it is, the person who hasn't experienced this would never be able to perceive. Never. Never. It's not easy, because there is no electricity very often, and there is no water, because the pumps for water supply, it's electrically powered. And since there is no electricity, there is no water supply. I mean, it's pretty medieval sometimes. Uh, we hope it's occasional, but it might turn chronic like a- a- any moment because Russia is launching 
like hundreds of missiles, usually weekly. Usually it starts on Monday. Sometimes it's Monday, Tuesday. I mean, this massive missile strikes because uh, all the missile strikes happen every day, several times. And uh, it's complicated. We, uh, we have no idea how many rockets or these missiles they have left and what they would target next. And they also bring in something from Iran, which does not make Ukrainians life easier, you know, because it's like fighting not one uh, country, but two. Now we're fighting against Russia and Iran. There's a schedule. It's Monday and Tuesdays, mostly. It's Monday morning, usually. It started like about a month ago, and it's Monday morning when it's massive. I mean, really massive, like 100 plus uh, during a couple of hours in the morning during the daylight so it would scare the people because when it used to happen during night time and it's not so scary to some extent i mean everything is scary but to some extent and what they're doing now they're doing it in the morning so it's visible and they expect people would start to panic plus uh, it's monday and you will have to talk about it all your week which is ahead of you and when they conduct these massive airstrikes Usually, authorities lock up the schools, which is what is natural to do. They say, okay, leave your kids at home. Let's meet online. So Monday morning, there is no electricity and your child is not allowed to go to school. You have to reschedule everything for this week because you should either be with your child or you should take your child to your grandparents. If you have some, go to your friend, which means you cannot just participate as a normal human being in any business relations. You should call your boss and ask your boss for a leave. Uh, probably you, you won't come even tomorrow and day after tomorrow. That's why they do it on Monday, because it creates a lot of turmoil. Yeah. Winter is pretty much here. How are you preparing? Everyone is preparing in a different way. I mean, people are trying to find plan B. Mostly these are villages where to go if something happens real bad. And people are trying to find relatives or to find friends who might happen to have a house in a village, someplace which can be heated by wood or by coal and has an access to water, maybe in a well or in a river. And that's the plan B for everyone who can find this solution. The ones who cannot, they just pray, they stack up with warm clothes <laughs> made of wool or whatever you have. I mean, it's nasty. That's scary. That's not, that's not normal. And that's not good for people. That's very bad. How are businesses... Struggling. Businesses and everything is struggling. Because, I mean, just imagine just abrupt electricity and water failures. Imagine you're running in a cafe. You cannot wash your dishes, wash your floor. You cannot make a meal. It's devastating. You are not running a cafe anymore. How is it affecting the radio business? There is no radio business right now. <laughs> radio is separate, business is separate. And it's like a vicious circle. Because in terms of commercial advertising, we do not see when it comes back. Because until economy starts working again, there is no commercial advertising. Because you have commercial advertising if there are businesses which are willing to advertise. And there is no business because you are getting attacked by these Russians. How is it affecting broadcasting? 
it's not affecting broadcasting yet because the price for the electricity, which is the main cost, has not been increased. So it's doable from some funds we still have. But they're destroying the power line. We have some electricity power plants which can produce electricity, but they are destroying the distribution centers. And they are not so easy to be fixed because it's made of ceramic and some high-end equipment, and that's what they're targeting. Bogdan, are you foreseeing a situation perhaps like you were in in February where you have to go out of the capital and broadcast from elsewhere? Yeah, it might be for everyone. For, for me, for myself, I'm just planning for the next day. That's uh, literally that's it to keep me somehow sane. Hayalita, Long Life, Ukrainian Bandarist Chorus and Husli Ukrainian Male Chorus. Our thanks to Dr. Anna Halushchuk, Dr. Stanislav Onischuk, and Bogdan Bolkovetsky, each of whom described tending to the special needs of war wounded in Ukraine. Dr. Anna Halushchuk is a psychologist currently practicing at First Volunteer Hospital in Ivano-Frankivsk. She studied psychology at Kharkiv National Hospital. She completed courses in crisis psychology in collaboration with Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Stanislav Onischuk is the chief of First Volunteer Hospital of Western Ukraine near Ivano-Frankivsk. This private hospital offers general surgery and orthopedic reconstructive surgery, psychological care, and rehabilitation to war-wounded military personnel and civilians. None of the staff of First Volunteer is taking salaries. None of the patients Build. 
Bogdan Bolkovetsky is the general manager of Kraina FM, Ukraine's largest network of all Ukrainian radio stations. In addition to running this large broadcast group, since February, he has dedicated time and energy to raising funds for the health care needs of those injured in war. Currently, he is working with the Kyiv Institute of Hearing to provide them with hearing aids. I am Anne Levine, the host and creator of Ukraine 242, reporting for Pacifica Network from WOMR in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Editing by Ursula Rudenberg, Fred Portnoy, and David Klan. Recording by Michael Levine. To see pictures of our guests and for more information, go to ukraine242.com. If you wish to send a message of encouragement to the Ukrainian people, please call 510-883-3115 and record your message. It will be translated into Ukrainian and broadcast throughout Ukraine on Kraina FM's 24-station radio network, 510-883-3115. This is Anne Levine. Until next week on Ukraine 242.